Hello, Door Creek Church. Welcome to today's service. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue on our teaching series, Come and See. So today's sermon um, is coming from the 14th chapter of, of John. Um, and the 14th chapter of John is a very unique and interesting chapter because it's the chapter where Jesus offers comfort to his disciples and he also gives them a promise, a promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is where Jesus tells us that also he reminds us that if we love him, then if we want to show our love for him and that we love him, then we must love one another. If we want to prove to people and show people that we are his disciples, they will know that how we love one another. So this is a packed scripture, a packed chapter that we're going to um, um, dive into. So, so get ready, grab your Bibles, uh, grab your eyeglasses, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, whatever it is that you need, and we're going to get into the scriptures. The 14th chapter of St. John. So our sermon goal is to encourage the believer, okay, to encourage the believer and inform the non-believer that Jesus is the only way that we can have a relationship with God, that we can have eternal life, and that we can overcome a troubled heart. Okay, that is our sermon goal. So my title is Bridge Over Troubled Waters. So you kind of get where I'm going. If, if John 14 is a chapter about Jesus giving his disciples comfort, that must mean that they must be facing some trouble. So let's look. Let's read the scriptures. Verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So first of all, Jesus just kind of breaks it down to him. He says, he opens it, do not let your heart be troubled. Your hearts be troubled. Well, why is Jesus telling disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled? Well, the disciples are about to face some of the most challenging times in their lives, in their, in their history of being with Jesus. They're about to face death. They're about to face Jesus' death. They're about to face Jesus leaving them. And he's talking about, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, you also believe in me. So he's, he's letting you know there's no separation. If you have no problem with believing God, then you have no problem with believing me. He says, I am going to a place, to my father's house that has many rooms. Okay, the King James Version, growing up, I've always read the King James Version that says, in my father's house are many mansions. That's the King James Version. And mansion just really means many rooms. And so it says, in my father's house, it has many rooms. I remember as a kid uh, growing up in Madison, there were eight people in our family, and we grew up in a a, um, a ranch with a ranch house with three bedrooms and one bathroom, eight people. 
So we used to drive in other neighborhoods around the city of Madison and look at the real big houses. And we used to ooh and ah and say, oh, look at that's a mansion. Ooh, ooh, look at that house that has a man. That's a mansion. They were only mansions because they had so many rooms in that house. They had, you know, we were used to three bedrooms, but they probably had five, six different rooms in the house. And so we would call them mansions because that's what they were to us. And so we were ooh and ah. And so we realize that Jesus is saying that when we get to heaven, it's not saying, oh, I'm going to have a mansion over here. I'm going to have my mansion. What he's saying that there is room for all of us. Just like the old song says, there's room at the cross for you. Well, there's room in my father's house for you. It has many rooms, which means that everyone who receives me can come. He says, so I go and prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place, I will come back and will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Now, Jesus preparing a place isn't about him going to clean heaven up. It's not about him going to sweep heaven up, get all the the dust from the angels, making a mess and get some things polished so that everything is straight and fine when you come. No, he's preparing a place. And a part of that preparation is Jesus having to go to the cross and die. He having to go to the cross and give his life, lay down his life, and then in three days rise again. And then uh, um, later on be ascended to the Father. Forty days later be ascended to the Father. So we see here that the preparation isn't about him cleaning a place. It's about him preparing it for us. And in that preparation, we are also preparing ourselves to be with him. And how we prepare ourselves to be with him is by trusting in him, giving our hearts to him and living for him in a trusting way, being devoted disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. So he goes to make ready a place for us. He says, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. He says that where I am, you will be also. You know the way. So he, 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 he takes care of that already. He says, you know the way to the place where I am going. Now, as, as a disciple, Thomas, he speaks up. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? You're talking about you're going away, but you're coming back. And we know where you're going. We know the way where you're going. I don't, we don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's saying that you know me. If you know me, then you know the way. He says, I am the only way. There's only one way. No man cometh to the Father except by me. I am the way that you get to where I am going. I am the truth, the unfailing truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And I am the life. I am the eternal life. I am the everlasting life. I am the fulfilled life, the life that you seek. So he straightens, he, he, he answers uh, Thomas's doubt or Thomas's trouble. See, Thomas is troubled because, Lord, we don't know the way. And Jesus saying, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, you know the way, I'm the way. So he, 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 he satisfies Thomas's trouble. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's saying, I'm the bridge. I'm the road. The only way you get to God is through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. 
From now on, I love this statement. I love this part here in the verse. Jesus says, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. (laughs) He's telling Thomas, he's telling the disciples what they know. Usually you're asking a person, do you know? But Jesus is telling them. He said, from now on, no more doubt, no more question. From now on, you do know the father. You do know the father and you have seen him. Well, how have they seen him? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. Because me and the father are one. So he goes on telling them what they know and what they have seen. And he says, Lord, Philip says, now Philip, now Thomas, Jesus have a conversation with Thomas. Now he's having a conversation with Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Famous last words, disciples, right? Show us, show us and that will be enough. If you do this, God, then we will believe. You won't have to do another thing. We will believe. Well, Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, I've walked with you. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And you're asking me to show you the Father? How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You said, with that question. Don't you believe that? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. He is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You have seen the works. You have seen the miracles. You have seen what I've done. You've seen transformed lives. You've seen healed lives. You've seen miraculous works. So for the evidence of the work's sake, believe it. Very, I tell you, or amen, amen, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So Jesus is saying, these works that I do, that I have began, I have started, he said, you will do them, but even greater works. Now, I used to think about that scripture that says, you mean I'm going to, we're going to do greater things than Jesus did? What can be greater than him laying down his life and then taking it back up again? What can be greater than him calling a dead man out of a grave after four days saying, roll the stone away? What could be greater than that? And Jesus said, it's not so much greater in, in quality, but greater in quantity, meaning because I'm going away, but I'm empowering you to do my work through the Holy Spirit, you will be able to reach greater masses than I was able because it's only me and 12 disciples were 11 at the, at the time. So he says, we can only do so much, but when the Holy Spirit comes, you will do greater things. So just think about it, people. We are doing greater works, not in quality, but in quantity. We have online services. We have, uh, you can now, um, you, you know, click a, a button and you can touch people all over the world. That's great. That's greater than what Jesus was able to do right there in Israel, Galilee and so on. We are touching the world. So let's not get high 
on ourselves and think, ooh, I'm going to be, we're going to do greater things than Jesus. No, we're going to touch more people, the masses of people through what God, through the venues and avenues that God has given us to touch the world. So we're going to continue his work and we're going to do greater things in, 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 in quantity. And he says, whatever you ask, whatever you ask in my name that the Father be glorified, I will do it. Now, I want you to understand that doesn't mean sign his name on anything that you want. Don't sign his name on a check that you can't cash. All right. You don't just forge Jesus or or commit fraud um, with Jesus's name. He says, ask anything that the father be glorified in my name, which means, first of all, the father must be glorified. And second of all, it must be in my name, which means not just saying in Jesus' name. It means praying something that's in my character, that's in my will, that's in my heart and in my mind. If you ask anything in my name that is in my character and my father is glorified, I will do it. Well, how do we know for sure that he will do it? Because first of all, when we pray, we should always pray with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit would not lead us to pray something that's not in God's will. That's pray something that's not in Jesus's character. So therefore, we connect all the dots. The Father is glorified in Jesus name. The Holy Spirit is leading us to pray it. So when you got those three dots connected, he says, I will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it with his authority, with his will, with his purpose and his character and that God is glorified. All right. So he goes on. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Okay. don't don't say you love me and don't do what I say. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Again, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth is connected because he's in Jesus. Jesus is giving it. The father is giving it. And so he's saying he's an advocate, which is a mediator, one who stands by you, one who speaks on your behalf. He, 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 he doesn't speak of himself. An advocate is one who is speaking of uh, the difference between he didn't say that I'll give you an activist. He said, I'll give you an advocate because an advocate works within the system, works within the realm of God's will, while an activist works outside and kind of plays by his own rules and does his own thing. But the Holy Spirit is an advocate, which means he does not of himself. He works within the realm and the system of God. Whatever he has heard God says, that's what he speaks to us. Hallelujah. He's an advocate. He's the mouthpiece for God, for Jesus that speaks through and in us. He speaks for us. Glory to God. He stands in the middle. He's an advocate. When we have no voice ourselves, He's an advocate. When we can't call, recall those things that he says, he's our advocate. He's not an activist, but an advocate. He says the spirit of truth. He says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So the difference between a believer and the world that Jesus tells us all through this chapter is that we see him and we know him. 
So therefore, we could not be in the world. The world cannot see him, cannot accept him because they don't know him. Hallelujah. So if you know Jesus, that means you know the Father and the Holy Spirit. He says, don't, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Okay? So he goes on. Remember that. So, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Remember Jesus talking about leaving. So he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to abandon you, but I'm going to make ready. I'm going to prepare the place. And again, a part of that preparation is laying down my life. He says, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. So we got some, we got some three-thronged possession going on here. Jesus is saying here in the word, you will realize that I am in the Father, which means the Father possesses me, Jesus, okay? And you are in me, which means that Jesus possesses us. And then he, Jesus, is in us, which means we possess Jesus. So none of us are left without the other. Jesus is in the Father. Jesus is in us. We are in the Father. The Jesus is in us. The Father is in us. So we are all covered because we are possessed by one another. I love that, that we are not left alone. We are covered. We are possessed by God and by Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, the world will not see me anymore, but you will. You will. Whoever has my commands and keeps them as the one, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Okay? Again, we got this interchange and we got this thing. The Father, this tells us that he is the way. This tells us that he is the truth. This tells us that he is the life. You can have no part of the Father if you don't have Jesus. You can have no part of the Holy Spirit if you don't have Jesus. <laughs> He's the key. He's the connector that connects it all together. If you love me, then the Father loves you, and I will love you. But then Judas, not Iscariot, not the betrayer Judas, but Judas or Jude, the apostle, this is who that is, Jude the Apostle, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Well, as he said, the world cannot receive me. The world doesn't know me. The world cannot accept me. The world cannot possess me. So I show myself to you because you know me. If you know me, then I show myself to you. But the world cannot receive well, he goes on, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. As simple as that. If you love me, then you will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. They will make their home, meaning they will reside, they will live. How does Jesus and how does God live in us? 
through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one that he sends. He's the one that will comfort, right? Uh, um, The Holy Spirit is the one that will bring new life, right? The Holy Spirit is the one that will teach us. The Holy Spirit is the one that will bring things back to our remembrance, whatever he has said to us. What do you say about the Holy Spirit? Uh, um, The Holy Spirit is the one that will speak on our behalf. He will not speak anything of himself, only what he heard the Father speak. Okay, so they will live in us through the Holy Spirit. Okay, anyone who does not love me or will not obey my teaching, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Isn't it amazing that Jesus never takes the attention off of the Father? That he brings it back. That he said, you know, my time and my day is coming. But he said, right now, it's about the Father. The Father sent me. The Father Father empowers me. The Father loves me. I am in the Father. If you see me, you see the Father. He brings it back so that God is always glorified. Glory to God. He goes on. So, the Holy Spirit, teaching these words of my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while I'm still with you. But the advocate, who is that again? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name the day of Pentecost. Remember, the day of Pentecost, 10 days up in the room waiting for for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came... He will send in my name. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You are not alone. You are not comfortless. You are not troubled forever. The Holy Spirit will comfort you, will hold you, will guide you, will help you through the troubled waters, will make sure that Jesus, that we are on that bridge, which is Jesus, through our troubled waters. Jesus lays down his life, meaning the bridge is horizontal, not vertical. We go across the bridge, which is Jesus, so we can get to the Father. And the Holy Spirit gives us that strength to do that. The Holy Spirit who will teach us, he will guide us, he will advocate for us, he will intercede for us, he will intervene for us, he will stand in the gap for us. He will teach us all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Then Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace. The peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives because the world gives you something and then the world can take it back. But Jesus said, I give you peace that you will have it for everlasting. He says, this peace I give you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He repeats himself again. He opens it with don't let your heart be troubled. And he's closing it out here with don't let your heart be troubled. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of the world is coming. That is Satan. But he has no hold over me. He's coming. I'm not afraid of him. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. 
This is what Jesus has instructed us. He said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has no power over me. He has no authority, but he's coming once again so that it can be proven and shown that the father has sent me. Everything in our lives, it shouldn't be about us. It should, when, we're, when we're believers and walking in Jesus, it should point back to Jesus. And Jesus, as we're pointing to Jesus, Jesus is pointing to his father. Hallelujah. Because that's where the glory, that's where all the honor belongs to God. So what, what, we, what, have, we, what have we learned here about our bridge over troubled waters? Well, there are so many things in our lives that trouble us. Even today, our country, we are troubled by so many things. What are we troubled by? Well, this is just to name a few. The availability and affordability of health care, the economy, the size and power of the federal government, hunger and homelessness, crime and violence, the quality of the environment, race relations. These are just some of the things that we are troubled with. We are troubled. We are troubled, meaning we are wearied. We are wearied with these things. What are the things that trouble me? Pandemic, civil unrest, the way people relate to one another, apathy and despondency, a low enthusiasm to get involved, a low enthusiasm to, to show justice, a low enthusiasm to love our brothers and our sisters. That is apathy and despondency. That concerns, that troubles me. Well, what? Did Jesus, what was Jesus troubled about? Well, there were several verses here. Let me just read them out to you real quick. John eleven thirty three 33 says, when Jesus saw her weeping, me, Mary, and the Jews who had um, come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. John 12, 27. Now my soul is troubled, Jesus said. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for, the reason, for this very reason I came to this hour. John 13, 21. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So what was Jesus troubled about? He was troubled about betrayal. He was troubled about denial. He was troubled about his own death. He was troubled about disloyalty. He was troubled about greed. And he was troubled about despondency of his disciples. He was troubled. But having a troubled heart means that's a troubled condition. Okay? The answer to a troubled heart is a believing heart, a trusting heart, a hopeful heart, and a faithful heart. That's the answer. So if you have a troubled heart, you might be troubled, uh, meaning there might be something that happens and it troubles your spirit, but it doesn't mean to stay in that trouble. When he told the disciples, let not your heart be troubled, he was saying, don't live, don't dwell in your trouble. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. All right, so a troubled heart is a fearful, confused, worried, anxious, terrified, and frightened. Now, we may experience those things by reaction, but we can't let them become our lifestyle. They can't become our condition. They're a response to something that happens, but they don't become our condition, meaning this is how we live every day. He goes on, what things troubled the disciples? Well, abandonment, 
persecution, isolation, Jesus' death, their own mortality. Those things troubled the disciples. They were troubled about their own death. Okay? Well, Jesus tells, he says, there is no other way. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other life. Jesus is the only way. He's the holy way. He's the only truth, the unfailing truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And he's the only life. There is no other life. Jesus is the bridge over our troubled waters. Again, our troubled waters, fear, confusion, worry, anxiety, terror, and fright. Those things. But Jesus is the bridge. And that bridge reunites us. It reconciles us. And it allows us to have a rebirth. And so Jesus is the bridge. And the bridge he lays down so that we can be reunited with God. So Jesus talks about loving him. Do as I do and as I say. Demonstrate your love by doing what I command. Love one another. How do we show our love for God and to the world? By loving one another. It's as simple as that. We show our love for God by loving. They will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Then God says it again. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So it says that let this mind that is in Christ Jesus be in you. The word says so Jesus We need the mind of Christ when it comes to living through our troubled waters. He gives us peace of mind by giving us a peace of his mind. Yes, Jesus gives us a piece of of his mind when he is telling us, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be discouraged. Don't say you love me and don't do what I say. He's given us a piece of his mind. But in giving us a piece of his mind, he's giving us peace of mind. So we have peace in God, not as the world give. He gives us his peace. So our closing thoughts is because God and Jesus are one. If we believe in him, we also believe in God. Just because the surface may look calm doesn't mean underneath is. The troubled waters, you might not see the trouble on top, but be careful. Trust in God because the trouble may be what you don't see. Don't be troubled, but believe. He says that. Don't be troubled, but believe. Finally, a troubled heart can be the result of an event or a reaction, or it can become a condition, a lifestyle. Jesus is saying, don't be troubled in your heart. That means don't let that be your lifestyle. He says you you get bad news and you're troubled in your spirit, it's an event. Jesus was troubled because of the death of Lazarus. He was troubled because of the death that he was foreseeing for himself. Jesus was troubled when he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He was troubled, but it was an event. It wasn't a condition. He overcame it, and he accomplished everything that the Father wanted him to do. So I'm challenging you. Take the bridge. Don't try to swim on your own because the troubled waters will drown you. Jesus says, I am the bridge. I leave you with these lyrics. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I'll dry them all. I'm on your side. 
Oh, when times get rough and friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled waters, I will lay me down. Jesus laid his life down. No man take it from him. I will lay me down like a bridge over troubled waters. Today, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your bridge or as your savior, but you're experiencing troubled waters. Whether you know Jesus or not, troubled waters will be a part of your life and having a troubled heart. But I got good news for you. Jesus said he's overcome the world. Jesus says he will give us a comforter, an advocate, the Holy Spirit. So today, will you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and be a follower of Jesus and say, Lord, I need that bridge to get to the Father, to be reunited with God. If you're going to pray that prayer today, I'm going to ask you to repeat these words. Let us pray. Dear God, forgive me for all my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose from my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If he became that bridge for you today and you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, please let us know. We want to know here at Door Creek Church so we can pray for you and we can call your name out in prayer. The Bible says there's great joy amongst the angels when one sinner repents and turns to Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. May God continue to bless you and may God continue to keep you. He is your bridge over your troubled waters.